but then I think the heart of who we are is that we're really a bed and breakfast because it's our home. We live there, we play there, we have relationships okay. with guests. People are coming to visit us in our home and we treat our guests that way and they treat us that way. So I showed up that range. Oh my goodness. And uh, somehow the word got out around campus. This is one of these urban legends or something. Hey, there's going to be this time trial. Of course, never let anybody do this. <laughs> and so like seven or eight other guys showed up. You know, it's supposedly this private time trial. So it was a good thing because then they could help pace it. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. I doesn't do it all by myself. But... Hey, Flingers, it's showtime. Just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode of Future of the Fairway, which is brought to you by the American Classic Golf Club, the home of the first World League Fling Golf Tournament. The American Classic is a nine-hole, family-owned golf course located in the Lewis Rehoboth Beach areas of Southern Delaware. So if you're ever on vacation or ever in the area for whatever reason, we would love for you to swing on by and give our track a try. And hey, you never know who you might run into. But anyways, we hope to see you around. And don't forget, you got to aim high to let it fly. Hello again. Welcome back to the Future of the Fairway podcast. I am your host, Adam Copeland. Uh, it is good to be back with you. This is the first podcast uh, release since the San Diego Open, uh, where we had a fantastic time uh, despite uh, the weather challenges uh, and course conditions at times. Uh, it was still uh, a wonderful time to be together with uh, the Fling family. Uh, it was uh, it was great um, personally uh, to see uh, everyone uh, that got to spend some time with. Uh, big kudos to Jake and to Rosie for all that you did. Uh, TJ, big shout out to you for uh, your constant enthusiasm and helping get the word out. Um, Alex, John, and Steve, uh, thank you for all that you do with New Swarm and uh, helping to put on tournaments like this. Um, and, and to everybody who played, everybody who was there to cheer uh, each other on, um, whether you played or not, uh, thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for your continued interest and drive and encouragement in this amazing sport and even better uh, community of, um, of participants and players. So uh, today, I am really excited to welcome Jonathan Bellingham uh, to the podcast. Uh, Jonathan is um, a player. Uh, he's also a co-owner of the Capon Springs, I'm sorry, Capon Springs uh, and Farms uh, Resort in West Virginia, which is only about, I think, 75 minutes north of Harrisonburg. Uh, Jonathan is going to be hosting um, a regional event at the end of April at Cape and Springs. Um, and we should have information on that going live on flingoff.com uh, as of today, uh, which is Tuesday, um, March, I have to check my watch, March 7th. Uh, look uh, for, uh, for registration coming for, uh, for that event. Um, they've got a beautiful place up there uh, from the looks of it. Um, I've yet to be there, uh, but I'm looking forward to, to getting there soon. Uh, but the whole setup um, as an all-inclusive place looks fantastic. So Jonathan uh, and I spent some time talking about that, talking about his history um, with the family-owned 
uh, an operated resort uh, with the um, uh, tournaments that we've hosted, uh, that we've played in, that um, and uh, in his background as well. Um, had a really lovely conversation. Uh, we did a little bit of recap of, uh, of San Diego, um, and we did a good bit of looking forward uh, to uh, to his resort. Some fantastic stories that he tells. Um, one of the teasers that you would have just heard is around this mythical uh, time trial that uh, is near the end of the podcast. That is maybe one of my favorite stories I've heard, uh, but uh, I will not spoil it here and let you listen to that. So uh, let's jump into it. Here we have Octajon, Jonathan Bellingham. All right, I am excited to welcome Jonathan Bellingham, Octajon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome, welcome to the Future of the Fairway podcast. Well, I, I'm not exaggerating to say that after I heard the first couple episodes, this was one of my dreams was to be on the podcast. <laughs> that's uh, that's really great, really uh, really kind of you. Um, I've uh, you and I have been able to uh, to be in touch. Uh, I I'll, I'll be honest. I really thought that end of August last year that we we Kathy and I and the kids had found a Saturday to come up uh, to Cape on Springs to um, uh, to come and play and, and take your take your offer that had come up I think on when we uh, when I had written the article on the, the blog for fleetoff.com um, you're like hey I'm just on the road come and come and check us out um, and I've yet to do that but I think uh, I think I'll be there soon right we'll look forward to having you whenever you get here Can, yeah uh, so so you're based in uh, West Virginia. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do up there. Um, sure. Well, some people say it's nepotism, but when you're a third generation uh, of a family that's kept the place going since <laughs> 1932, you know, it literally, it's in your blood. And um, I started off uh, just when the second generation was retiring. They needed warm bodies. I was uh, a couple years out of school trying to figure out my life. And I said, I'll come back and do it. Um, I had basically a six to nine month contract, which meant the rest of the year I could just travel the world, which is what my passion was at the time. And um, it became obvious that my skill sets were recreation and eventually marketing. So um, that's evolved into a, a position now where if you're looking for an official title, I'm the director of guest relations. So I'm everything on the front front uh, side of the house. Okay. Anything to do with marketing, anything to do with uh being the face of Cape of the world, as well as the the host with the most on on the on the ground. Tell us a bit about uh, Cape as well, because it is a uh, is a pretty pretty cool uh, pretty cool setup you'll have. Yeah, some people just say it, it, it's hard to describe. So I I usually give the three layers of the experience. I mean, we're big enough to be a resort because we have forty seven hundred. Right. So that's a good starting point, mm-hmm. but we quickly move away from that because I think the image people get for resort is it's, you know, a, a fancy high-end kind of, you know, top-level experience. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, we're run like a camp. So we say we ring a dinner bell, everyone comes to a set menu, all you can eat food. We have a flag-raising ceremony. We have uh, music in the trees, a campfire sing-along. Some people say, that sounds like dirty dancing. I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good analogy where it looks like we're <laughs> from the 50s and we're very vintage in that sense. 
Um, but then I think the heart of who we are is that we're really a bed and breakfast because it's our home. We live there. We play there. We have relationships okay. with guests. People are coming to visit us in our home, and we treat our guests that way, and they treat us that way. So it's it has that level of relationship, that level of comfort coming back to a place. And we're third generation, I mentioned. Our guests are third generation or more. Our coworkers, our staff are all third and fourth generation. So it's a, a real sense of a home away from home. That's that's super cool. How many um, how many rooms? How many beds do y'all have? About 110 rooms, spread out through the whole property. And that's the other thing. When people okay. say it's hard to describe the atmosphere or the experience of the place. Sometimes it's hard to describe the facilities because there's not one large building where everybody stays, like you could think of in some places. And it's not like a state mm-hmm. park sometimes where it's just all cottages or cabins. Um, so there's about 12 different buildings right. anywhere from two to 20 rooms in them. so you're you're reserving a room you know but all inclusive means oh it's kind of like going on a cruise on land it's a per person rate there's all the activities all okay the food. and the the big selling point is the food people love the the country cooking made from scratch all you can eat family style you know that's that's kind of the heart of any good home is the food yeah. What are uh, what are some of the signature dishes that um, uh, that are always on the menu? Well, the menu hasn't changed for about 40 years. So if you know what, what day of the week it is, you know what you're Awesome. Doing. So if we, we change a few things. Oh, we sweet. Back and uh, we heard about it from our guests. You know, I planned my vacation knowing that I was going to have this meal <laughs> or even this dessert. So we did a poll a few years ago. <laughs> I know people take it very personally. We did a poll about uh-huh. what's the favorite meal, and we yeah we yeah a few that we knew would be near the top, and um, the signature ones uh, that come mm-hmm. to the top are our chicken barbecue cookout up on the golf course, and some of that is just the venue and you know, where it is. Uh, the others are steak dinner cookout mm-hmm. on Thursday mm-hmm. nights. Again, all you can eat filet mignon, hamburgers, hot dogs, you know that whole thing. But the one that took number one that kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. But if I thought about it some more, I I guess I can see why. That's our Saturday lunch, which is uh, talk about comfort food. I think it's not the one entree item. I think it's the combination of things because the entree is, mm-hmm. and but the sides are macaroni and cheese, okay. salad bar, and then the desserts uh, were the double header with apple crisp and chocolate pie. So that whole combination, I think, is what throws that meal to the top. That if there's ever a meal we can't change, that's the one. Yeah. So nothing well, fancy. Well, that's awesome. That's one awesome. Of our, that, one of our, um, our guests described mm-hmm. our uh, our menu, as it were, is that they'll never have anything that you can't pronounce. So that was, that was <laughs> her way of saying it's not fancy. It's going to be, you know, Friday dinner. is. Yeah, Friday. It's accessible. It's something you're going to like. Yep, exactly. And, of course, oh, everything wow. um, is made with Cape Spring um, water. So the water is the lifeblood of the resort. That's the reason people come. And so things that require water in the recipe, uh, you know, is the distinctive Cape and Springs water. So uh, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, what's distinctive there um, of those springs. Oh, so the water has its own story. And uh, I don't, that's, a, that's probably a separate podcast uh, outside of, of even Flint. <laughs> Because it literally has flowed through the, the American experience, uh, even back to the Native American experience. 
uh, the whole word capon, C-A-P-O-N, that we pronounce not the way phonetically you would think. You would think capon, but it's capen because it's mm -hmm. a much anglicized Native American word that means medicine waters, healing waters. So there's actually a petroglyph uh, signifying oh, cool. where the spring comes up underground as a historic healing site. So, uh, so people have been coming there way before the Europeans. And of course, once the Europeans came and discovered the healing properties, um, it was part of the legacy of the healing springs of the Appalachian and eventually the Allegheny region. So our story follows mm -hmm. the uh, path line as the Greenbrier, the Homestead, Berkeley Springs, and Bedford Springs of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm, I'm in the middle mm -hmm. of recreating that taking of the waters with those four other properties. We're excited about this whole idea that now it's come huh. back in vogue. You know, anything old is new again. Well, taking the waters is back new again. Right, and, right. Um, but Cape and Springs water was actually the official water of two U.S. Olympic teams in the 1920s. It was the official water of the entire U.S. Congress in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And it's really the only reason our family is involved because our grandfather was a bottler and seller of Cape and Springs water in Philadelphia back in the 1920s. Oh, okay. And that's how he acquired the spring with no goal to resurrect it as a resort because it had been abandoned for about 20 years when he purchased it in 1932. He wanted to keep water flowing to his customers. Okay. So he fought, he ended up having to fight mm -hmm. the FDA at the time who was trying to get water off the market because it had been a prescribed medicine for 60 years. Mm -hmm. So the water is distinctive because of its alkalinity. It was neutralizing the buildup of acid in the body. So doctors were actually prescribing it for intestinal issues, uh, muscular and joint issues, and skin issues. <laughs> and people still tell us today that the water itself has provided some curative agents for them when even modern medicine has not been able to do so. So there are very firm believers, not just in our family and our guests, but the community comes up and helps them mm -hmm. with healing water uh, all the time. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Good stuff. Um, so you've got a lot, a lot going. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot going on at, um, uh, at the resort, uh, you've mentioned uh, the golf course, uh, so let's jump into that. I believe you've got a couple of courses, is that right? So we have a nine-hole regulation, and it's a par 34, uh, roughly 29 mm -hmm. yards, uh, very family-friendly, and it was designed and, and built in 1933. Okay. So one of the first years, uh, my grandfather was actually a, a serious golfer and um, had placed well in some of the, the Pennsylvania mm -hmm. tournaments in golf before he kind of gave up the sport. Um, and then he decided he wanted to have a junior course for people to practice their short game. So I think sometime in the 1950s came the prep course. Okay. It's also, uh, all of them are par, of course, par threes, but they're, it's a nine hole course, 30 to 80 yards long. Great for practicing short game. Great place to start mm -hmm. out with fling golf, which is what we did. Absolutely. So, so when did that start for you? When did uh, when did uh, fling golf get introduced? Well, it feels I and and I how? What was yeah, uh, I always find out those connections? Yeah. Well, um, as part of my marketing <laughs> duties, uh, I was invited to be a speaker. Um, I kind of for a couple of years in the 20, 2012 to twenty sixteen made the rounds with the local Rotary clubs. 
and they always need speakers. So I would come and give a talk, okay. not as a pitch for Cape and Springs, but a, the story about the water and the history of this historic place and the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the guy who invited me was invited me to um, uh, a Shenandoah Valley a golf club uh, course, uh, I guess somewhere around Woodstock or Newmarket area. And um, we had just put in a Frisbee golf okay. course and pickleball. So that's what we were saying. That was the hot tickets on the item at the time. And after I did the presentation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gentleman who was a, a golfer came to me and said, I found the, the newest thing you need to add to the Cape and experience. It's called fling golf. I said, yeah, Frisbee golf. We have, we just did that. He said, no, no, no. Wow. This is completely different. <laughs> and it, almost in uh, the graduate fashion, he said, that's all I'm going to tell you. The word is fling golf. You look it up and you tell me what you think. So I'm like, why is he being mysterious about this? You know. So I looked it up, flinggolf.com, saw, saw this. <laughs> And uh, I thought, well, this might be fun. I'm not a golfer, but I am in charge of recreation. And if I'm going to introduce this new sport, I need to try it myself. Um, just like pickleball. I had to try pickleball mm-hmm. so I could it to other people. So this is kind of March of 2016. And so we opened up, as we usually do, right at the end of April, early May. So I had about two months to get out there on the prep course mm-hmm. and try it out. And um, I thought, gosh, if I'm going to show people, I... I need to learn how to do this and not, you know, look the fool. So I spent a good amount of hours <laughs> figuring out how to aim high and let it fly because it, it just kept going down on the ground no matter what I did. Had nobody to teach me, no, you know, right. I had to make it up as I went. And uh, right. I got to where uh-huh. that first hole is about 60 yards long. I could get four out of seven uh, golf balls on the green. So I thought, okay, I'm over 50% of the time. I could probably get mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to show it off. And uh, the, the golf uh, manager at the time said, I don't know about this. I'll let you do it, but you have to keep it down there on, the, on that prep course. You, you know, this doesn't belong on a regular course. Okay. And then nobody's even using that little course. Down <laughs> so we thought, no mess, no fuss. Mm-hmm. So I did it the first year, and a few people were interested. You know, every once in a while, I'd hold a little mini clinic and take people out and show them what it was. But it never really, mm-hmm. you know, caught on. Nobody really, you know saw the interest in it and i had mm-hmm. all ages i had people in their 80s i had kids you know teenagers um who showed interest but never really yeah had to do it on their own um so it, it kind of languished to be honest 2016 2017 finally in 2018 um i convinced the, the golf manager well let me get up on the big course maybe then it will have to get some legs underneath it and he said well i'll let you do it but it has to mm-hmm. be the mm-hmm. spot mm-hmm. when there's no other regular golfers on the course I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm still the, uh, you know, the stepchild here or whatever that's not getting full credit and, and uh, not a full class. Right, right. So we did that and nobody got hurt. Uh, everything was fine. So by 2019, um, the, that manager had retired and uh, I felt like it was open season. I could make it be a regular thing on a regular course, charge it the same amount as regular golf is just another full course along comes COVID 2020, mm-hmm. 2021. I just kind of let people discover it on their own. I had a few things here or there uh, until 2021. And then the, the next uh, jolt of energy came from Shark Tank, which uh, kind of juiced me up too. like, okay, yeah. maybe this can be real. And then the tournament hit in May in Delaware, um, which, you know, people saw you're actually going to a mm-hmm. event that has this. 
Um, and then that summer we yeah. had fling golf, world fling golf Friday. Um, I was able to do clinics all that week and get that release that week excited about it. And then when shark tank came out with the, the actual production over the summer, I could show it to guests and all right, now this, this could be something. So that, that mm-hmm. turned me up pretty well for 2023. Um, and started my discussions actually that may with, with, um, the powers to be the three golf gods up there who, who said, well, maybe you could host a tournament someday. <laughs> so that, that's what evolved into where we are today. Other than my own personality of practicing and saying, you know what? I could be almost halfway decent at this. This gave me a, this gave me some, my competitive juice. Yeah. I'm, my background is a distance runner. And those days of being competitive are long, long, long gone. Okay. So here's a new sport I can try out, <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah, yeah, it's new enough that there's a, um, it's wide open as far as uh, being able to be competitive and uh, and get out there. What was, uh, how long did it take you to make the decision to go to Delaware? Like, did you see that and like, all right, I'm in? Or did you have to kind of convince yourself a bit? Um, No, I I wanted to be in. The tough part was, can I get coverage? Um, Can I get away? Yeah, yeah. Open. we're, we're like a lot of businesses. Yeah, because you know, that's you're hitting some of your uh, peak season or starting to get into that. Um, no, it was early enough that it wasn't peak season yet, but it was also early enough that people weren't established that you know that I could delegate to and, and go away. In fact, that's why you know I was able to come mm-hmm. Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had to drive back Saturday even before the playoffs, so I got to play in the singles tournament in the morning, but I had to be back Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. And somebody had to lead the campfire sing along, and that was me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So four and a half hours to go, you know, go for 24 hours to get back. You know, that was the only way. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But that's when I knew, okay, they're going to have more of these. And then, then obviously when I heard the Virginia one's going to be mm-hmm. close, um, that was the same kind of thing. I got to get coverage. I can get away for Saturday, but I got to be back. I was hoping to do the team event, but I, you know, I had to be back Saturday Weekends are busy for us in the spring and fall, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're uh, we're actually, I think, what is it uh, about seventy five minutes, ninety minutes from each other? Yeah, yep, hour and fifteen. That's not bad at all. That was quick, quick trip yeah. down eighty one. Did, did, that's right. As long as as long as there aren't any uh, trucks overturned or uh, wrecks on eighty one, which. You never know uh, with 81, right? Right. And we will be right back after this message from our sponsor. This episode of Future of the Fairway podcast is sponsored by Yada Golf. Yada Golf and Fling Golf are a perfect pair. Both value inclusion, encouragement, passion, and being your whole self. Yada Golf has the best line of men's and women's golf shirts you'll find out there. I love the feel and texture of my polos, as well as their eye-catching designs. I'm currently rotating through Vintage King, Light Wave, and Fresh Flavors. And my favorite is whichever one I'm wearing that day. They've got premium polos for those who want to stand out on the golf course, and premium polos for those who want to keep a lower profile. Yada Golf. Master the shirt game, conquer the short game. And now back to the future of the Fairway Podcast. 
Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about uh, about that. We've um, we're recording this uh, the week after the a few days, relatively a few days after the San Diego Open, where we were uh, both out there and uh, got to spend some time together and watch uh, watch playoffs. You and uh, Jason Ballinger uh, competed together in the team tournament. Uh, y'all were in the top ten for that. I think you finished uh, seventh. Is that right? Yeah, seventh. I was impressed with that myself. <laughs> yeah. Right on the cusp of uh, of getting to the playoffs with that, which is uh, really cool. Um, what was that experience like for you? And had, had you, you and Jason had a chance to play together uh, leading up to the tournament? Um, yeah, actually, Jason is just a, a tad bit closer than you are. Um, he's a fellow West Virginian, mm-hmm. a little over an hour away, toward the Charlestown area, Harpers Ferry. So he actually has the mm-hmm. most advantage of anyone going into the Cape and course. He's been over to play um, five or six times, I'd say. And even uh, the, the oh, month nice. before, we had uh, probably three times um, in the four weeks leading up to San Diego. Um, we've spent most of the time on our short game down at that short prep course I mentioned you about. Um, just, you know, practicing over and over again, doing that 30 nice. yards long, doing the clean sweep, doing the putting, um, and I was supposed to play mm-hmm. in Virginia, but I, again, I had to, had to head home for work. So this was my first time doing a team competition. And, um, and also that Jason was willing to, to play with me after his partner last time was Sam. So that was, a you know, going from a, you know, a top player who <laughs> was ranked 21st at the time, you know, that was a gamble on his part, but you know, we, we played well together and uh, he's, he's a great guy and got a great attitude. And we, you know, we kind of figured out, our strength and weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we needed the, the, his good humor too is what kept us going with, in that weather when he saw me put that poncho on three times after flinging a poncho. Did not see that. <laughs> we have, uh, the, it seemed like, uh, at least for the, uh, the round of uh, 18 holes, it seemed like it started with heavy rain, went to light rain. I think we had 40 minutes of, no rain, right? Correct. Maybe thirty minutes, and then yeah. we had some more light rain, and then it's like right on the last two holes, it was a heavy rain again. Yeah, so at least it wasn't pouring rain the whole time, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. It was. Uh, did um, did your uh, your putting practice uh, prepare you for those greens? I'd, I'd say at both um, both courses, uh, the greens were quite challenging and fast. Yeah. Um, compared to some of the ones we've played uh, before in tournaments. Yeah, no, no, nothing really could have prepared us for that other than the, the patience of knowing and go with the conditions that are there. And uh, that's where we kind of kept each other, right. you know, positive and uh, keeping that, that goldfish mentality of, you know, forget what happened after that hole and you start, start again. Because I don't, I mean, we didn't play anything extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is back to, when you're playing, you have no idea how everyone else is doing. You know you're doing average. You know you're not doing any spectacular. Right. But you assume that everybody else is probably doing better for whatever reason. And so to come in seventh, um, right? But we knew we were doing halfway decent because we were keeping pace uh, with Big Cat and Mountaineer, who we were playing with. Um, so to have the you know, oh, that's right, y'all got to pay, uh, yeah, play with them, the defending champions. champions. And we held our own. In fact, you know. Like anything else, the would have, should have, and could have, you know, we might have, you know, snuck by them, you know, and to get in that top five. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we did well, and we, you know, we didn't leave too much out of the course. Which That's cool. We felt good about. 
That's uh, yeah, that's really cool. I think there were twenty teams, so uh, finishing uh, seventh is uh, is quite the uh, quite the accomplishment. That's really uh, really fun, and to get to play with uh, Zach and Mike uh, is also pretty cool. Uh, they're uh, they're a riot. Um, I don't think I've played around with Zach yet, but uh, I got to play with Big Cat on Thursday um, in one of the practice rounds, and um, it was his first time at Twin Oaks, and it was it was just a blast. Um, I think that that's that was again. We talk about this being the best sports community uh, in the states, uh, maybe in the world, uh, and it, it really, really is. Really, uh, just wonderful people uh, and a lot of fun, uh, even in spite of the the weather challenges that uh, that existed in of all places, San Diego. Uh, it was still a wonderful, wonderful experience. Right, you come away with stories no matter what, and some of it's the conditions, but to your point, some of it's mm-hmm. I mean the you know, there were a few new people I hadn't met before and, you know, and actually learning who some of these people are through the podcast. I mean, your, your, your way of peeling back the layers of, mm-hmm. of insight into the background of some of the, the players is, has been a fascinating part of, of my journey to, to see this community. And, and, you know, you, you get to know someone on a very superficial level when you have a little bit of time with them, but to go in a little bit deeper and um, to actually kind of go, that's a person I would, be interested in hanging out with um, or finding out more. What a fascinating either history they mm-hmm. have or their, or their fling golf story. Um, yeah. That, that's been, that's been exciting for me. Uh, well, I, I definitely feel like uh, the luckiest guy in the fling fam uh, getting to, uh, getting to talk to all these folks and uh, uh, go, go into those deep dives uh, with them. Uh, how about the, uh, individual tournament? Who did you get to play with, uh, on Sunday? <laughs> uh, both Alex and John said, did you see your pairings? I said, yes, I did do that on purpose. So they said, well, no matter what, you're going to have fun because, uh, I got Rodney and, uh, and Sam from Denver and, um, they know how to relax and they know how to have, have a good uh-huh. time. And, uh, to balance that, <laughs> balance that, I had Jay Lewis, uh, and, you know, Chase had some physical challenges, but yet he, his perseverance is mm-hmm. just inspiring. You know, he's, um, he, he kept things balanced with, with some of the, some of the antics, we'll just say of, of the other two, uh, he and I rode together <laughs> and the other two rode together and, um, we had to shake our head a bunch of times, but we were smiling and that kept things loose. And, um, <laughs> I wasn't sure how it was going to affect my game to have that kind of thing going on. Um, but I have to say it's probably my right. fling golf, certainly in a tournament setting, my first uh, fling golf round I've had. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing, nothing stellar or exciting. That's cool. No That's cool. And that was, uh, you know. No, I was just going to say no dramatic 30-foot putts or. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, tough, the, the course was still. So the course was still tough. So um, uh, there was uh, it presented a lot of um, uh, a lot of challenges, including uh, again fast greens among uh, among other things. Yeah, we got to uh, see a really cool playoff. Uh, we had we had five finishers, and uh, we had a playoff to the playoff uh, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we you and I got to uh, got to hang out together uh, on some of those holes as well, which was fun. Right, which you know, depending on who you're playing with, you don't actually get to see that level of competition during the tournament. And so, being able to mm, you know, mm-hmm. be, be the crowd, 
be in the, in the uh, you know, follow the, the camera crews. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to see for me, again, from the people watching position I have every week of the guests that come from CAPEN. And I'm always interested in the dynamics of interactions, personalities. Um, and uh, I was caught by a very special moment. I didn't mean to, to catch it on uh, film or, or, or a, a photo, but the, the, the huddle that the five of them did before the start, you saw that on the first playoff hole, um, a moment, mm-hmm. of, moment of, of, you know, whatever they use that moment for to bond, you know, that I'm not sure I've ever seen that. And, and, you know, outside of an actual team coming together in a huddle, I mean, these are five competitors mm-hmm. who all wanted to win, but yet they came in this moment and uh, I guess recognized the moment and then went out there and did what they had to do for their own game. And that was, um, that was exciting. And then see the finish that way. You always want this kind of dramatic putt. You know, you could have missed it and they tied and kept going, but you know, right. Right. That was, that was a great moment. It was, I, you know what, I had not seen that huddle uh, before you had posted that picture. That was, uh, that was really cool to, um, uh, to see uh, afterwards. And, And you're right. It was, uh, it was fierce competition. Uh, there was some incredible shot making. Um, I don't know that I had uh, seen uh, Sam up close. Uh, I'd played around a practice round with Jake, uh, which was really great. And uh, he and I had talked um, before the rounds uh, in Delaware, uh, but we hadn't gotten to play together. So that was a lot of fun to to play with him in a practice round. So I uh, wasn't surprised to see him in the top five. And uh, obviously Ken and Austin, uh, were great, and I was uh, completely thrilled to see Zach in the top five as well. Um, just knowing uh, how close he's been, uh, and uh, and he he did he did really well um, as well. But that was that was pretty uh, pretty cool. We had a a great uh, a great finish, and uh, kudos to Sam for that um, tournament winning putt uh, to take the to take the trophy. Yeah, that that was great to see. Good good finish to a. Otherwise, crazy weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, let's uh, take the time to say another uh, great thank you to Jake and to Rosie for uh, all the work that they put in. Uh, TJ as well for the um, uh, the positivity and enthusiasm uh, that added another special layer to um, the Southern California tournament. Um, just, uh, especially considering the circumstances, um, it was, uh, it was fantastic. And, um, I, th- I think that Sunday, uh, we saw a little bit of what San Diego, uh, would look like as far as sunshine, <laughs> a light breeze, uh, some decent weather. Yeah. The, um, two quick things about that, that, was, uh, that I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to go to San Diego. In fact, I had already, um, told Alex and John that unfortunately I couldn't come because it's the exact same time as a hospitality mm, conference mm-hmm. that I haven't missed in, since they started, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And it's, it's held at a prestigious location at the Greenbrier. Okay. And, um, you know, it was like the one, the one big event. Oh, oh yeah. That I couldn't miss. Well, Alex twist tomorrow. He said, well, if I was your general manager, I would, you know, I would say this is a bit better PR opportunity for you. I'm like, he's, he's, kind of convinced me that, you know, I've been to that. I know all the people there, you know, yes, I would learn a few new things. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the cons of what I could accomplish uh, at San Diego, you know, both for me personally on the tour and for the opportunity to keep connecting with folks 
mm-hmm. up to the Cayman event in April. Um, you know, the only I, I started second guessing myself during that team event when I was freezing cold and soaking wet. Uh, but it all came together on Sunday, and you know, that, <laughs> of doing well and seeing good sport, and you know, I had getting a little bit of San Diego weather. Um, when I I posted to some some new friends I've developed, uh, who I'm trying to bring into the fling golf world. Um, I don't want to tip my hat too much on this. Mm-hmm. Part of my preparatory work before April is um, I'm doing a stopover. I think I told you about a stopover in Iceland. And so when I sent sent them the picture of what it looked like on Sunday, that's right. Uh, the the golfing folks in Iceland said that looks like a summer day in Iceland. <laughs> When he saw that the you know the rain comes in, the wind blows. Like, <laughs> well, I never thought of San Diego and Iceland being compared to each other. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't put those two together either. <laughs> yeah, so you've got um, you got a pretty cool uh, pretty cool trip coming up. Uh, but one of the really cool features of that is. Uh, is a 24 hour stopover in, uh, in Iceland. Uh, and you've, you've lined up some meetings to, to share about fling golf. Yeah, that's, that's, what's been kind of exciting. And this is where, you know, I've learned over and over again in the networking world, you know, you put yourself out there, you try to make connections with people and, uh, you know, if the right people are, you know, are there, you're going to make that connection, uh, if you do the work and, um, you know, I did the work researching, I found a person who can introduce me to a person, and um, ends up being that it's the, it's the second biggest uh, golf um, club in on the island. And um, the guy that I've made a connection with was a professional Icelandic golf player who was on the European tour and had some big wins um, and now is helping oh, wow. a youth program there. So I'm going to be meeting at their golf club, their big indoor facility that's supposed to be state-of-the-art, uh, they have 700 youth that are involved in the program, so they, they their future is looking bright. Wow! Uh, they got 65 golf courses on that little place, <laughs> you know, with well, less than 400,000 people. I mean, the statistics <sighs> of how the sport is growing there seem fascinating. Um, but he's wide open to mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. golf, and so um, I got an hour and a half meeting with him and his his uh, general manager, basically, and their marketing person. Um, to introduce the world of fling golf and who knows where that could go. Wow. Wow. So uh, I know we've, we've talked uh, one of the cool people that uh, we got to talk to in, um, in San Diego was uh, Hank uh, also known as fling golf Hawaii uh, who made the trip over. Who's already thrown it out there. I think uh, possibly a 2024 stop uh, getting out to Hawaii. Uh, We've got, you uh, with the tournament uh, in uh, uh, Capon in uh, end of April and uh, laying the groundwork for uh, Iceland, maybe in 2024, 2025. That's, uh, that's sensational. Yeah. So I, I told, um, I told Alex and John today, I'm already dreaming of, you know, plant the seed, you know, for, for the organization um, with their blessing mm-hmm. in March. I'll be on there on March 24th. Yeah. I pull in at, at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, my wife and I, and we leave at seven thirty the next morning. So I'll basically probably be up for twenty four hours um, because I'll be doing a bunch of other touring. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. My other hat that I wear, which is um, uh, hot spring spas, which where we have, of course, that have at the resort, and that's one of the drawing cards. People come not only to, to drink right. water but to soak in it. 
and Iceland is known for their hot thermal springs. And so I'm going to be touring. I made connections and I'll be touring those yeah. as well. So I'm squeezing a lot in, but um, the, the goal was, Boy. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an adventure, but my goal is to plant the seed now. And then when their season starts mid-May, because they only go from mid-May to September, that's the only time they can play golf there. But of course, in the summer, they're playing 24-7. Okay. I mean, they're playing the, under the midnight sun. So oh yeah, my goal is to go back maybe in oh, June wow. and actually play on one of their courses. You know, I'd love for them to come here. In fact, I'll be inviting them to to Capon in April to see if they can mm-hmm. get representatives so they can see what it's all about. Oh, nice! And then go there in June and play on a course. So that's my dream. Well, I, I think that there's probably several people that are pulling out that uh, bucket list, free golf or otherwise, and say, "Well, if I've." I can find my way to Reykjavik uh, or uh, somewhere in Iceland, then uh, that's not going to be too bad. I, I will say um, Icelandic Air does a really good job of cutting prices to Europe to try to get you to stop over for 24 hours. Um, if you're if you're going to or from, from Europe, uh, when I've looked on Kayak or Google Flights, um, uh, there's usually a, a Reykjavik stop that's uh, a few hundred dollars uh, cheaper, if if not more, yeah. than uh, some of the other flights uh, going into London or Paris or other places. Well, that's exactly how they got us. I mean, it wasn't on our itinerary. We're flying to Paris um, to get to Normandy, <laughs> who our daughter is studying abroad. So there was it was not on the map. But as I looked at prices, I'm like, okay, wow, okay. I can save two hundred dollars a person and have twenty four hours in Iceland. Check. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Right. And now, you, so, you know, spas, warm springs, uh, talking to getting to see some pretty fantastic uh, golf facilities. Uh, good for you. Uh, good for you for taking that initiative. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoy that. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, it, I know that in my younger years, I could do this kind of travel and then put pushing it. But uh, as someone who now would be in the senior, <laughs> senior division, my wife is kind of saying, you know, be careful. Remember, this is a vacation, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mentioned uh, earlier on that you were uh, you're, you were coming out of college and you were looking to uh, you, you got the job that was a I think a nine month contract you said uh, right. at uh, Capen uh, and you really liked to travel. What, uh, were you able to fulfill some of that uh, that travel bug that you had? Uh, what were what were some of the travels that you were making? Well, um, actually, I can track uh, I can track those travel routes down to. I mean, my, my origins of, of, of growing up was I had the double whammy. I was an Air Force brat, because we traveled all the time, and I was a preacher's kid. Okay. So, so I had both angles that led me to... Oh, there we go. We should have in common. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't know I had a travel bug until uh, I'd gotten out of college and was, was kind of in D.C. doing... Um, I had graduated from UVA with a degree in environmental science, in 1984 and there really wasn't much okay. need or call for that it wasn't really a career move at the time i like to say i had a true uh, jeffersonian education mm-hmm. it was all about becoming a better person a better uh, human being educate myself in life mm-hmm. um which at the time it didn't cost that much so it wasn't like i spent you know tens and tens of thousands of dollars of wasting right you were walking out yeah so i had a friend who was who did go to UVA for a career architect and he was doing studying historic preservation in London. And he said, you're not doing anything useful right now. And he, he laid it on the line. It was true. He said, come over and visit. 
Come over and visit me in London. You got a place to stay. I'll be done in a month and we'll travel. So I took him up on the offer and um, oh, wow. traveled around the UK for a little bit on my own. And he's like, well, actually, I got extended and um, I won't be able to travel with you for another three weeks. Why don't you go over to the mainland and, and you know, bip up around Germany and France mm-hmm. and all those places. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I don't speak the languages. I'm not going to know what to do. And he said, uh, you get a URL pass, go to youth hostels. Mm-hmm. It all happened. Well, that's that's when my world changed. And I got to travel for three weeks with a URL pass and a backpack and um, just get fascinated enough with oh wow all, all the beautiful city. You know, it was usual three cities in a day or something crazy like this. And I ended up in Spain where I had studied Spanish in high school and college, but I, I couldn't speak it. So this was the closest to having a second language. So I made up my mind mm-hmm. to stay for a two month intensive course in Spanish until I could actually speak it fluently, uh, which which happened, um, I guess this is the winter of 80, 86, somewhere in there. And when I was in Spain, I got the call from the family okay. saying, positions are opened up, you know, why don't you come back and work? And I'm like, well, the season is only six to seven months anyway, as long as I can have my winters free, because now I got the bug. So uh, the first bug took me back yeah. to Europe. Yeah into Eastern Europe because the, uh, I'd been the, the wall hadn't fallen okay. yet. I'd gone into East Berlin through Checkpoint Charlie mm-hmm. and saw this bizarre world, um, that I wanted to find out more about. So the next year I came back and went through, wow, Budapest, Bucharest, Warsaw, uh, Prague, uh, wow. Sofia. I mean, all, all the Eastern Bloc country pretty much and a little bit of Greece, which was really mm-hmm. fun too. In fact, I got to a, a, the thousand-year-old monastery called Mount Athos off the coast of Thessaloniki in Greece, which was an amazing experience, stepping back almost to the 14th century and staying in these monasteries. It was just wow. Um, so, but but I my real desire was I need to keep up my Spanish. So after that, the next mm-hmm. year, I was going through southern Mexico, uh, studying Mayan cultures living out in the middle of nowhere, seeing all these cool ruins, snuck into Guatemala for a little bit to see their ruins. Um, and that, and then the bug just came from there. I, I went, got into a little bit of South America, got to Nicaragua one time. I got into Ecuador, Argentina, a bunch of other places down there. So, and then uh, just look very strange after awesome. that, I had to work full time. And so I couldn't take the big, you know, three mm-hmm. weeks to six weeks off but I would find a way to go to interesting places. Right. Um, I got to actually, I got to Ukraine not that long ago. Um, and I got to, uh, got to Dubai, mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi and Oman, which was another amazing experience. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we will be right back after this message from our sponsor. And now back to the future of the fairway podcast. That's good. Uh, so did um, I guess you pass that on to your daughter? Uh, she's studying abroad right now. Uh, I'm guessing that there's part of that that uh, she uh, she got naturally. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. She surprised us, to be honest, because she um, is eh, oh, okay. know, kind of a homebody. She, we we homeschooled her all the way through, and um, but she mm-hmm. she's uh, into theater and performing arts, and so she's generally mm-hmm. outgoing in that sense. And she auditioned to get in this, you know, really, um, it's a creative semester that 
they only take a certain number of students and do an immersive experience for eight weeks in Normandy. Okay. Staying in the chateau, learning your craft. You can mix it in with studying uh, set design, mm-hmm. cinematography, um, and, and fun things like cheese making and bread making, you know, con- you know, things that you would do in France. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I want to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she's doing that. But, <laughs> right, right. No, uh, but um, no, our, our, maybe she's taking leave from our son, who's an Air Force helicopter pilot. So it, it skipped a generation. He's kept the, okay. the Air Force thing going. He, he uh, got himself through the Air Force Academy uh, all on his own. And uh, now he's fighting, he's flying um, Hueys for the Air Force um, in, in uh, outside Cheyenne, Wyoming. Oh, okay. Right okay. All right. Cool. Well, good for him uh, yeah. and, and good for you. Uh, uh, that's really cool. That you get to go um, uh, go and visit her for a bit, but also have some uh, continued adventures uh, on your own. Where, where did you go to college? I went to UVA. I'm a Cavalier. Oh, that's right. You said UVA. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing it's it's changed a good bit uh, since then. Yeah, um, and all that actually led. Uh, my, my first true and one passion that got me through high school and college, to be honest, um, was distance running. I, I walked into a high school program that would in Winchester, Virginia, that was ranked okay. third in the country my freshman year. And the coach was just ahead of his time. Um, oh, wow. He was one of these inspirational leaders that even to this day, you know, 40 some years later, you know, left a mark, you know, on the strive for excellence and determination and, and, um, you know, doing what's necessary to perform. I mean, he, he said, you know, you know, when you're at that impressionable age, you know, he gave you a, a sense of what was important um, and the idea of a team. And we were a band of brothers. I mean, we were warriors in the running world. And that's what got me, um, you know, into UVA, even though that's I, was cool. I was a walk on, but I ran cross country and, and track at the division one school, which okay. as, as a kind of so-so runner, I was never an outstanding star. Um, but because of the work ethic that he, he instilled in us, I was always able to contribute. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's just uh, another D1, former D1 athlete uh, in the Flingall family uh, making a mark. Yeah. My, uh, if you look at the record books, though, you won't, you won't see much uh, in the way of scoring or, or uh, uh, <laughs> NCAA finals or, or compete in the ACC tournament. The um, actually, I think it's kind of humorous. My one, my one mark in the ACC came uh, with a very bizarre backstory, um, and that is, I I was injured my first two years, and I wanted to have access to the weight rooms and the okay. training room, so I I volunteered to be basically the manager. So you could say I was kind of the water boy manager to be around the team, okay. help, help train the women's team because the coach knew at the time knew the program I, I came out of. Uh, they were competitive high school against us in Virginia. Um, and by, mm-hmm. by the time I finished my halfway through my second year at UVA, I was getting healthier again. And I asked him for a chance to go out and make the team and run for the men's team. Um, which of course he said, uh, no son, know your place in the world. You'll never be a star athlete. You know, this is how you contribute to the team. You're, you're the manager. Water oh, boy. Ouch. Yeah. Um, you know, he thought he was being this wise person by letting me know, be happy with your station in life. Don't try to overshoot things. And 
Um, but because I've been training, with mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. they were kind of in my corner and they were like, come on, coach, give him a chance, which he never allows walk-ons. He was very much about, you know, getting only elite athletes, uh, you know, in your program. Mm-hmm. So he said, all right, I'll make you a deal. If you come back your third year and set first week of September and can run this kind of time on the track. And it, he set a bar that even most of the guys in the top five couldn't have hit the first week of September, maybe the end of the season, they would be in that kind of shape. So he, he set this mark. Okay. I trained up here at Cape and Springs in the mountains of West Virginia. I ran my butt off and I did a time trial on my own first to see if I was even close. And it was on the CNO Canal uh, near Shepherdstown. Mm-hmm. It was a five-mile race. And that was the distance. It was five miles at 25 minutes. Uh, you had to break 25 minutes. So sub five minutes per mile. Oh, pace. goodness. So, so yeah. I, on, that, on that day, I ran 25.01 on the canal. So I thought, okay, this is close. I might be able to do this. So I, I showed up that range. Day, oh, my goodness. And uh, somehow the word got out around campus. This is one of these urban legends or something. Hey, there's going to be this time trial. Coach never lets anybody do this. <laughs> and so, like seven or eight other guys showed up. You know, it's supposedly this private time trial. So it was a good thing because then they could help pace it. A yeah, bit. yeah. I wasn't do it all by myself. And and the lap, was, started, yeah, yeah. The lap started clicking off. It was 75 quarters. Get you at five minute pace. I was behind the first mile, and then we brought it down a notch. And then with two laps to go, I kind of knew I had it, and I finished 24:53. So I was under it, and. Uh, holy cow so the coach thought i had tricked him he took it took it badly he was like you know you still want to be on this team i'm thinking no i trained my butt off not to be on the team um (laughs) the uh the the, um he had me over he basically i said i need to back off the training because i've been pushing really hard i don't want to get injured again well he said no you're gonna do our workouts Mm -hmm. pretty soon i was injured and then i didn't get to compete in the in the spring season, mm. he said, by this time, you're not even, you know, keeping up with some of our women's team. Um, and his point was, we had the national record holder in the 5,000 meters. He was using that as a standard. Um, so, so he and I had a falling out. He, he left that, he left the next year. I came back my last year. They had no coach. I started coaching women's team and realized my times were faster than some of the guys. So I ended up finishing my last year as a competitive athlete running the ACCs and state championships, but, you know, never scoring, you know, I scored one time, you, oh, sweet. Top five, you get a score. So I'm in the record books, almost like the Rudy thing, you know, if he scores one play, you know, he counts. Um, <laughs> but the, the, post, yeah, yeah. the postludes all this though, was it 10 years later, uh, I was at a, a whole nother event, totally unrelated in DC during cherry blossom season. And it was uh, the weekend of the app uh, the cherry blossom 10 miler. And somebody in this group said, oh, I knew you were a runner. We found this other runner from this group down in North Carolina who's here. And maybe you've heard of her because it sounded like she ran the ACC. Well, this was like the premier female athlete in the ACC during my era. So I knew her. Of course I knew her. In fact, you know, she was everybody's idol. Like, oh, oh wow. Joe Nesbitt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. She was <laughs> awesome. So they brought her over and I pretended to be cool. You know, oh, yeah, John. She goes, oh, you were at UVA when, you know, I was, you know, North Carolina. And I said, yeah. She goes, well, can you clarify this story? Because we heard this rumor going through the ACC that your coach was really crazy. He would never take walk-ons. And he had this time trial. It was crazy. And he set this bar of 26 minutes. He didn't think anyone could break it. Did he really do that? I said, yeah, it was 25 minutes and it was me. <laughs> so here's this little thing. There's a little 
thing in my life, you know, that I thought nobody else would know about, but here it became mm-hmm. a thing where somebody, you know, and Joan represented the U.S. at nationals. She was oh, that's awesome. Olympic teams. I mean, she, and she had heard this story about, you know, this crazy thing that I did. So, <laughs> sorry to walk on that tangent, but that's, uh, that's one of those things. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So that, that was my life at UVA. And then, as I said, I, that's um, awesome. I wandered for a few years until <laughs> the business called me back and I got into it about five years and had to decide, am I in or out now? You know, what, what's my career choice? And uh, at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. there was nothing else pulling me or compelling me to develop otherwise. And 37 years later, you know, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. My position's evolved a little bit. I'm uh, one of the few family members that's still around. Everyone else is kind mm-hmm. of retired. So now, you know, I'm, I was the tail end of my generation, the younger one. Now, somehow, I'm the old guy. You know how that comes around mm-hmm. in the circle? And so my goal is, <laughs> is to help the next generation and the non-family members who are there understand what it is about our business mm-hmm. that's unique and special, how to keep our mission, vision, values intact uh, yeah. in an environment where you have people who aren't connected to your immediate family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, so we've talked around this a little bit, uh, but let's uh, let's get some uh, as many details as we can. Um, so there's going to be a regional event uh, at the end of April that's going to be hosted uh, at Cape and Springs, West Virginia. Uh, what can you tell us about that right now? Um, well, as the sport itself is evolving, this is also a, a new incarnation. Um, and I, I'm hoping that it represents mm-hmm. another way of experiencing the idea of people doing the sport they love with the people they love. Um, it's going to be a chance to be more of a showcase. Mm-hmm. In a regional event, it kind of takes the pressure off of worrying about your point standings, um, being a, a major venue for mm-hmm. the world uh, fling golf uh, league. I'm uh, obviously, I, I love for it to eventually become part of that, or maybe not. We'll have to see. But the, the goal is mm-hmm. a chance to come. Sure. The, one of the drawbacks has been for me is going to these events and only meeting a few people for one round, especially since I haven't been able to do the team event. And so much of our experiences, no, everybody comes yeah. here almost like the difference between when you go to a wedding and it's just uh, that afternoon versus the destination wedding where you're spending the whole weekend together. That's what I was, that's what mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. now. You come mm-hmm. in on a, you know, on a Thursday or Friday and you're there, you know, the meals are included. We're all eating together. We're all playing together. You know, I wanted to have a chance where, you know, you interact with the pros. And so we're going to have some of the top, top flingers for female and male coming, giving clinics. We're going to have a panel discussion the first mm-hmm. night where we give a chance because I was fascinated with the origin story uh, that Alex shared recently in one of the blogs on, on mm-hmm. Um having other people hear that origin story. Yeah. Yeah. Having, having the, the chance to ask in a panel format, almost like a press conference that you see with other sports things. Um, but just in mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. setting. And so that's, that's how Friday night is setting up. And of course I have to throw in some Cape and things there. And so one of the exciting things that's happened with Cape and Springs water is one of our guests has a brewery and he's made some special beverages with Cape and Springs water that he'll be showcasing for the first time that weekend. Hello. So we'll be tasting a variety wow. of things that'll be available to purchase later, but he's going to do a free presentation <laughs> to taste it. Um, 
And so that's going to be a neat event. And so, oh, how cool. So this will be, you know, people can still come in early if they want to do a practice round this Thursday, Friday, and do an extra night. I'm going to be available mm-hmm. the first night to kind of give tips and tricks from, you know, home course advantage. Um, it's instead of kind of playing with the pros, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just going to be a walkthrough um, that, that first night so that everybody who wants to kind of get a sense of the course from okay. somebody who's played it, I don't want to say lots and lots of times, I'll just put it that way. Um, and so that's, <laughs> but I still want a signature competitive event. So there's still going to be an 18 hole tournament. It'll be Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be almost like Delaware. In fact, that there's a nine and you have alternate tees on the second nine. And, um, I'm looking to, okay. to do as much as I can to make it accessible in the sense of maybe using the four tees. I mean, just like we use the red tees and what a huge difference that was at, at okay. Oaks, you know, I want to experiment with using the red tees mm-hmm. so that uh, people have a chance and don't feel like unless you're a long baller, you know, you're not going to have, you're out of the running. I mean, I had a, as best around as I could there, but I only won right. Reggie because I can't reach the greens. You know, I can't do it in regulation on a monster course like that. Mm-hmm. This course, um, you know, it's possible uh, to be able to do that. And then a- after, my hope is that mm-hmm. we're going to get a lot of new people um, to come and to see the place. We're perfectly situated four hours from the Delaware crew, four hours from the Pittsburgh, Erie crew, Pennsylvania. Um a little bit longer for our North Carolina friends or, you know, more like five to six hours, but this is a chance to mm-hmm. come and, and be together. Um, after lunch on Saturday, the, the, the pros are going to do clinics um, for all of us, whether, you know, you're a regular fling golf or brand new um, and then have the afternoon, just spend time with your family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enjoy the spa, try an escape room, go on a hike. Oh, sweet. So a chance to be able to relax before having a banquet at night where it's a time where we actually get together and have a meal afterwards and have regular awards, but also fun and silly awards. Um, and to finish off the evening with some incredible, <laughs> incredible bluegrass music. We have some of the best bluegrass music musicians in the area who are going to come up and give, you know, Oh, sweet. So that's going to be a great event. And then um, it can't be an event. Uh, are you, are you doing a sing along as well? No, I'm not doing the sing along. I get the night off from that. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, normally that. Would oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll we'll see. Oh no! Don't go there. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't get everything in. <laughs> we'll save that for a future event. But uh, <laughs> um, Sunday we'll have a team event, but it'll be a, again a family friendly. When we have team events, they're always what we call potluck best ball. Some people call it captain's choice, where you don't pick. It's not a two person. Okay. It's a foursome, but we line up you know, all the, the top A players who performed on Saturday and their captains for that team. And then the B players, C, D, mm-hmm. and try to mix in at least one female, hopefully one youth, um, and try to balance mm-hmm. the teams to see who, you know, everyone does their fling. You go to the best spot of, of the four. You all go from there until it's in the hole. So, and it's, it's only nine holes. So you can easily do it. No pressure. No, nice. no mess. Uh, competitive, but fun. Um, and then we finish off with a meal, uh, a lunch on mm-hmm. Sunday, and then you know send send folks home. So that's kind of the flow. And we're going to have it be an all inclusive package. You know, it's a per person rate that includes everything. You can do it as okay. a golfer. It'll be a golfing rate. There'll be a non golfing rate. So if you have a spouse, mm-hmm. family member that just wants to come and join you and still do everything right. except for the tournaments, because that's the thing that I'm making this open 
we don't have exclusive use of the place. So there'll be um, two other groups I know of and a, a sure. of individuals who just happen to be here that weekend mm-hmm. who are going to be have their minds blown when they see this fling golf thing they walked into. Um, and, <laughs> they're going to be overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, they'll be overwhelmed. So, I mean, I, and I'm hoping to keep it intimate. I mean, I hope in a good way, in a good way, in a good way, you know, we, right now we're, yeah, gonna, yeah. we're going to keep it to, you know, nine foursomes, 36 people, uh, which is kind of roughly what we've had in, in our tournament so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to have a mix of spots just for West Virginians, right. try to, you know, to, to help my fellow, you know, mm-hmm. state people out. I want to have a certain amount of spots just for long time keeping guests, because I want this to be something they can enjoy the whole rest of the season. Right. Um, and you know I'm I'm going to get local uh, youth to come out and witness some of it. So this is this is a mix of showcasing the sport for all the people who say what's that fling golf? What? Well, this is come and see. It's approachable. You can and you can <laughs> right in, in the game and you can play with them. I mean I think those are kind of the selling points. And I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. for for us regular fling golfers the selling point is absolutely. Just, hey, we can spend this all the time together, but we can also you know, demonstrate and show and invite more people into the mix. So it's that, that's what we're shooting for. And um, we're going to have registration. Ah, that sounds lovely. Yeah. We're going to registrations open next week. Uh, the fact that, you know, we're dropping this podcast about now means that, you know, I want people to be able to jump on it and not, you know, wait like, okay, when, you know, when do I need to register? No, it's going to happen, you know, almost mm-hmm. immediately following the, the podcast and we're sending out to our guests, I've got some great tourism partners, both in the Shenandoah Valley and the state of West Virginia, um, who mm-hmm. were excited about this and see the possibilities um, that we're, we're going to be this mecca for fling golf in this part of the world. And, and um, we're happy to be a part of that. This is something I've been dreaming about to have Cape and ever since I've been playing the course and saying this, this course was designed for fling golfers. It's the right length. The beautiful views, the challenging, oh, sweet. no water hazards on the course. The only water is Cape and Springs healing water. <laughs> so I think it'll be something for Does that mean that the balls, if the balls get here, they just magically, they magically drop out? Yeah. It makes it simple. That's cool. That's cool. Well, John, this has been fantastic. I am uh, so glad that we got a chance to do this and, uh, Thank you for uh, for sharing and for uh, getting uh, getting this tournament organized. This is really uh, really exciting, really unique. I think it'll be a really uh, exciting uh, opportunity for folks uh, who can get there. And um, uh, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. And uh, hope I I'll have to check. I think I told you that um, there's a chance I may work travel may take me out of the country, but we'll we'll see. That's still still up in the air. Yeah. But it uh, sounds, sounds fantastic. Well, the, the beauty of being wearing the two hats, you know, being not just a, a fling golf player, but a fling mm-hmm. golf course owner, you know, is that I have total control of how this is going to work. You know, mm-hmm. you know that I, I said this at the Absolutely. San Diego, you know, this is my home. This is my house. You guys are coming, you know, to be part of what I can offer to you all. So it's, it's going to be a chance to do what you love with the people you love. Mm-hmm. And that, that just feels really special to me. Absolutely. Well, uh, looking forward to it. That's going to be great. Um, so yeah, uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, if we have the links, um, ready, I think registration should be open uh, when we're dropping this episode. If not, we'll have that updated, um, as soon as that's available, uh, look for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you didn't get a chance to read through the, um, 
uh, the great articles either from the San Diego Tribune or from flingoff.com about the recap from San Diego. Be sure to do that. It's really cool press coverage and some uh, some really exciting things that uh, that happened and got featured. So um, uh, onwards and upwards for sure. Right. And uh, I, I'll i give a little teaser right now. Sometime um, late March, early, maybe early April, uh, there will be a sneak peek of the course with some of your favorite characters. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, so if you haven't decided by then to come, uh, when you see some of your favorite people and join the course in a, in a fun and unique way, I, I think that'll put you over the top. Uh, what a great tease. What a great tease. I'm <laughs> interested to see what that is. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, you'll be well. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, in West Virginia. Um, and if not there, uh, in Delaware, uh, for sure. Yep, for sure. Thank you, Adam. And there you have it. Another fantastic uh, conversation with uh, another member of this great community. Uh, many thanks to Jonathan for uh, his time and for joining me. Uh, again, really enjoyed chatting with him, and I hope that you enjoyed that as well. Um, we have got such a great group of people uh, in the fling golf uh, community and family, and um, it feels like in some ways that we're still uh, just scratching the surface. I mentioned in the podcast that um, I feel like the luckiest guy because I get this really cool, or I've taken this really cool opportunity to, to get out and talk to a bunch of uh, players uh, and people that are uh, with fling golf or affiliated with fling golf or looking to have some kind of involvement with fling golf, and um, it's just really, really enjoyable uh, to continue to have these conversations to, to find out a little bit more uh, than what happens on the course uh, with us. Uh, so uh, as always, if you have any questions or suggestions uh, for uh, people for me to interview, please send those my way. You can uh, get the contact information at uh, fotfpod.com um, at the contact page, or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, happy to uh, connect there. So looking forward to a few more episodes coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and happy flinging.